Hi, it's Mark Pittman. Welcome to food. Email us, food at markpittman.com. Reach out, let us know what you like, what you hate, what you'd like to see. Please subscribe to the podcast, rate us, give us great reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our three times a week newsletter, The Bitman Project. We'll be talking about that soon on the air also. And um, please stay in touch. We love to hear from you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Today, I am joined with Melissa McCart, who was until recently the editor of the Bitman Project and has moved on to other things. And we have with us my old friend, Peter Hoffman, who ran the wonderful Savoy restaurant in Soho, one of Soho's first great restaurants and um, other restaurants as well, but is even better known as we will get into. So I won't belabor the point now for bringing farmed, real farm-to-table food to New York City restaurants. And we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about Peter's book, which is called What's Good, and a bunch of other things. It's a great interview. You can tell Melissa and I had a terrific time, and I um, think you'll enjoy it. Welcome, Peter. Thank you for joining us. Well, I'm really glad to be here talking with both of you. You know, I 
I think it was 1992. I'm almost sure it was 1992. And my friend Emily said, I got to take you to this cool place in Soho. It's called Savoy. And there we went. And it was great. And I didn't know you and I didn't know anything about the joint. I just thought, wow, here's like really, really great food. And it's not that fancy. And then it turns out that you were sort of on the East Coast, at least, or in New York, at least, pioneering true farm-to-table. And you were famous for your bicycle going to the farmer's market and your truck bicycle, or whatever you called it, your bicycle with a truck attachment, going to the farmer's market and really loading up and coming back and really doing from scratch farm-to-table whenever possible. Do you want to tell us a little of that story? Well, Sure. But I mean, to begin with, it's like that, that was all true. Um, (laughs) You know, that, well, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people who have, who tell tales about what they're, what they're doing and, and uh, spin a story, but um, that's what we really were doing. And um, it grew naturally. It wasn't a program that we developed um, uh, or a brand. Those ideas I had no concept of those ideas at, at that point. Susan and I wanted to build a, a laboratory and atelier about where we could do our cooking, where we could present our ideas, not just our ideas about food, but our ideas about hospitality to people and do that at a scale that we could manage ourselves and control and um we found a space in in Soho. On it wasn't actually really Soho at that time. Soho ended at Broadway, um, and we were one block east of Broadway. So it was kind of this back eddy and forgotten on the on an alley street of the Broadway buildings. We were, you know, we faced the the, the window of the restaurant faced the dumpsters of Dean and DeLuca. <laughs> And that that seemed fitting in many ways. It was sort of like you want to be, you want to be in the heart of where things are happening, but just a quarter turn away from it. And um, and and so uh, you know, I was able to go to Little Italy or go to Chinatown or go to Union Square uh, Market to to shop. And so it was uh, perfectly placed for me in an urban environment. And, um, so that's where we began, uh, at least as owners and chefs, um, our background, we met at a restaurant called Hubert's, which really was in many ways, it was called new American cuisine at the time in the early eighties, but that's really where farm to table began. The idea that people were starting to look at what's great about what's being grown in this country as opposed to thinking that the ultimate best ingredients were imported, flown in from Rangis market in Paris, or but but in fact that what was best was what was closest at hand, grown where where the only one set of hands was between the person who grew it and the chef who cooked it, um, as opposed to lots of middlemen. And time, of course, um, passing in between. Um, so most perishable, most delicious, closest at hand. And, and so that's, that's sort of where Farm to Table began. And uh, we embraced it as, as cooks and started developing relationships with, 
local growers. Who else was doing it then? Anyone? Or where were you getting inspiration from? Well, you know, when I think about um, the sort of new American cuisine and, and what that looked like in New York City, I mean, Larry Forgione was a leader in that. I mean, he was um, putting things on the menu, both in terms of looking at historical dishes of American heritage and also the the sourcing. And, um, and some of it was sort of the restaurants may still have been French based, you know, their feet were in French cuisine because that's how um, the dining public still viewed what was good, what was quality. And um, so, you know, I, I worked at the Quilt Giraffe before I went to Hubert's. Uh, David Lederman had a restaurant on the Upper East Side that was thinking about those those issues. You know, so there were people who were thinking, who were acknowledging that how you source is at the core of good cuisine and that that was shifting and what was good, um, that that definition was shifting. And it wasn't just what was, as I said, what was imported from France. So that was really fundamental. But, you know, in terms of what chefs were going to um, Union Square Green Market, uh, Waldy Malouf. Hmm. Uh, I haven't thought you know, of him in a while. Right. Um, so there were, there were a few people, but, but today, you know, when I go to Union Square, it, it's, you know, it's chefs all day long. There, I mean, there are certain farm stands at certain times of the year where it's crawling with restaurants picking up, um, having placed their orders beforehand. Um, and in fact, there's kind of, uh, the stand itself has two forks to it. There's the, the front face, which is the retail green market shopper. And then there's sort of off the back of the truck, which is where all the chefs are coming to pick up their crates and big bags and, and pre-orders. So that's been a huge transformation. Um, and so we see that, that idea that the importance of sourcing has completely infiltrated into the, the New York restaurant community. When I was in Pittsburgh as a restaurant critic, one of the things that chefs around my age and a little, little older were saying is that younger generations were less wedded to local food and seasonality, that it wasn't quite as much of a mantra as something that was sort of peppered in the kinds of things that they were making. Are you seeing any variation in terms of generations or or are we seeing in the New York area that there's still this like emphasis on local food and seasonality? Well, it's a great question, Melissa, you know, and it's a complicated answer. So part of I I, I sort of want to say two things about it for starters. What one is is that you know, food is always about fashion on a, on a certain certain level food food is as as a trend and farm to table and seasonal cooking as a organizing principle in many places was a trend and so part of that is that's not the trend anymore that's not what's high fashion what's uh what that shift has been is a little bit more towards you know what i might call in in the larger political framework is identity politics, right? I mean, it's sort of about 
who are you, what's your background, and celebrating cultures of people of color and diverse backgrounds. And that's a, that's a really important cultural shift, you know, that you might say that, that in kitchens, that if we were over-focused or focused on sourcing, but not thinking about who was working in our kitchens, and people said, oh, yeah, great, you buy great ingredients, but um, are you thinking about um, taking care of the people who work for you and paying them a decent wage? There's a relationship between that shift and the, the, the culinary fashion shift that, that, that you just described, right? It's just like, it's still important where we, we buy our products, but what's, what's the voice? What's the expression of the dish? And it is, is what's in fashion now. And I don't, I'm not belittling that by calling it fashion, but it, it's, it's what people are focused on at the moment. And some of that food is really exciting. You know, if my generation of chefs and the new, and calling it new American cuisine is the first step away from the hegemony of French cuisine to talk about American dishes. Well, it was a, still a narrow view of what's American food or what's, what food are we cooking? It still had one foot in France in, in many respects. Mm-hmm. And so my step was to go, I'm not interested in haute cuisine in any way. I'm interested in the regional foods of Europe. So Mediterranean is what I cooked. I was exploring Southern French and Northern Italian and, and Middle Eastern and all of that. But it, you know, that that's not what my roots were. And now what you have is cooks, chefs who are going like, let me explore my, my historical family roots in those flavors. And some of that's about Korean and Vietnamese and Middle Eastern and um, all the places that people have come from to come into this country. And so that's where the focus is. And it's very exciting. They're bold flavors. They're, 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 it's really exciting food um, and doesn't have the refinement, isn't chasing the refinement for the most part of what uh, I so disliked about French haute cuisine. But are those people sourcing well is your question. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. There are plenty of people who are doing, who chefs that I see in the market who are, are following in that path and they're in the market. They're buying the best ingredients that they can. And then there are people who are like, that's not of concern to me. I don't know a whole lot about it. It's too confusing. I have to chase the dollars because I have a, a a bottom line that I need to make, and 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 that's that remains a, a huge challenge to all of us as home cooks and as restaurant operators of um, what are the dollars and cents of all of this. Yes, makes sense. We will be back in just a minute with more from Peter Hoffman, Melissa McCart, and me. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We're all drinking more water these days and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. Less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code Bittman at checkout. 
For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bitman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Earlier, you had said when you go to the farmer's market that there's so many more farmers and they're there all day long. I'm curious about some specifics of what you're seeing that you're excited about that is different from, say, 20 years ago in terms of the local food movement. Mm. Well, starting from the grower's point of view, I mean, I think that there are many really good farmers who have only gotten better at farming over these last 20 years. And so that they understand their land, the climate, um, and they've been able to uh, refine what they're doing. I think what they grow uh, also, they've learned both how to find new and interesting ingredients and seeds and things to introduce us to that make the, the marketplace that, at Union Square has so much diversity in terms of what's being grown, particularly compared to what was being grown there 30 or 40 years ago when I first went to Union Square. And so that was, you know, people were growing what was grown in the region. They were kind of, um, they, they in, in some ways they had become commodity farmers and this was, Instead of going to Hunts Point, they would say, oh, I'll set up a table and see what happens. And, and so it was corn and peppers and tomatoes and onions. And those were things that were grown in the region. And then you started to have, you know, farmers who said, let me let me find something to differentiate myself from all that stuff. And that differentiation has continued. And so in the beginning, it was like arugula. It was like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, what is that? And now you can buy it, you know, in a plastic box brought across the country, um, pre-washed, um, not tasting like much. But that was a novelty um, in 1980. Um, and uh, so that differentiation continues and, uh, and, and makes it an incredibly vibrant place to, to shop, to expose oneself to uh, what there is to cook. And, and jump off from there. So it's, I, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think it's all moving in, in a great direction in terms of, um, 
availability. That last thing you said about it moving in a great direction in terms of availability is 100%. I totally agree with. But to me, our farmer's markets, and when I say our, let's say I'm talking about the greater New York area and the greater San Francisco area, because those happen to be the places that I know best. And in both of those places, farmer's markets are either acquired to or tend to be producer-only markets. So it's not like you can go to Hunts Point and buy crates and crates of stuff from wherever. Union Square Farmer's Market is a producer, and most of the farmer's markets in the greater New York area are producers-only market, which means that you have to sell the stuff that you are growing. And you can be busted, not a big deal, but you're not going to jail, but you can be fined for not doing that. You can be removed from the market. And removed from the market. And that was sort of the the real power of what you and others like you were slash are doing was not only using really the best available ingredients, but supporting real local farms. And yet you stopped. And one of the things you said to me when you stopped was that you were frustrated by sort of the fake farm-to-table movement and, and what... Laura Riley, right? Yes. Did in her famous article, The Farm to Fable Movement, as she called it, when she phoned up a bunch of people at farms in the, I think, Tampa Bay area and asked them what restaurants they were selling to because the restaurants were all bragging about getting food from those farms. And it was bullshit. None of them were buying from those farms. Right. But you and people who shopped and shop at Union Square Market did and do and pay a premium for that, either direct from farmers we know or from their representatives. You opted out in part because you, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know what I think you said to me. Well, let's see. There's a lot to unpack there. And, uh, you know, when you, when you first introduced me and described the restaurant that you ate at in 1992, you said that it was delicious, but not fancy. And that was really important to us that we weren't trying to always be a fancy restaurant to strive towards charging more and more in order to, you know, whatever, make more money, be able to afford better ingredients. Um, And finding that balance was really frustrating. So if we were always competing against the place down the street that had a pork chop for, you know, $22 and um, people were raising their eyebrows if I was charging 29 or 32 because they go, you know, there's there's that other place. And you go, well, this is from pigs that are raised completely differently than coming from a, a CAFO operation in North Carolina. So, you know, helping people understand that distinction, helping people want to choose to make that distinction and how much they're willing to pay for that difference is really complicated. And I couldn't always go it alone. And I didn't always want to, as I said, raise the prices to put the restaurant in a different class of dining experience and and then what gets involved in that in terms of the expectation. So it's a hard, hard business, and it takes a kind of vigilance that, that uh, you know, some people are able to 
go longer and further because they uh, build larger companies, delegate more. That wasn't the model that I chose to pursue because um, it's fraught as well. Not to say that it's wrong, but it, it, it has certain kinds of compromises in it that I didn't, that I wasn't really interested in or capable of, of making. So, you know, I guess what I want to say about some of the transformation in my life is, is that I, you know, my cooking is both, has been about wanting to reflect the seasons and the changing of the seasons, the, the, the rotation of the earth, you know, is, and the tilt of the earth is where the seasons come from. And, um, and so that as an urban dweller, the way that I stayed in touch with what was happening on the planet was by going to Union Square and mm. seeing that variation, what came, what was coming in, what was going out, what was no longer um, available and, and, and building menus, cooking for myself and cooking for others. Excuse me, just such a sweet image, such a great image. I'm sorry to interrupt, but continue. Well, thanks. I mean, it's, it's really what, what I've been doing, what I did for, for, you know, the, the 30 years that, or the 40 years that I was in the city doing this kind of cooking in the 25 years of, of the restaurants. So now, so instead of having union square, what I have now is I have a CSA, um, that I've been a member of and that same rotation, that same evolution of, Oh, this week there are some peppers and Oh darn, you know, it's just like, the lettuces are, are gone or how, whatever that is, there's this, the offering from the CSA is the, is the momentary snapshot, the self portrait of this place in this time. So I love that. We always ask this as our wrap up question, and this has been a super fascinating interview for us. And I'm curious what did you have for dinner last night? <laughs> well, that's a great question because I mean the answer is a great is is you know it's a great question, but but it's sort of interesting. So I'm the cook in the family, and uh, I would say that in general, so I'll cook six nights a week, um, assuming that we don't go out and um, do other things. The pandemic was really great for that in a certain way. Um, I loved the ongoingness of the the kitchen and 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 what was in the fridge and what was in the larder. It was a uh, there was a way that I was in touch with what was at hand in a way that that is more disrupted when you're going to a concert and going over to friends and going out to restaurant things like that. But anyway, so uh, Susan generally doesn't cook, but I have yoga class on Wednesday nights. And, um, and so she cooks. And so last night she went into the garden and picked kale and gold cherry tomatoes that sort of the last of the season that are just hanging on the vine and a whole lot of garlic and made a wonderful pasta dish of that. And, and I said to her, you know, next year, we're going to have this dinner a year from now, but it will be from the kale and the tomatoes that we grew ourselves. And so lovely dinner and cooked by Susan. So uh, a, a wonderful meal. Amazing. 
That's so nice. Thanks so much for spending this time with us. Yeah, wonderful to spend the time with you, both of you. Thank you. It was it was terrific. Really nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you, Melissa. And um, I'll see you soon. Okay, that sounds good. Bye. Bye-bye. I am going to read you verbatim Peter's recipe for fireplace beans, which is a Tuscan classic and uh, something that seems to have been it had a it had a moment twenty years ago or so, but it's something that um, seems to have been unpopular or depopularized in the last few years. Anyway, fajol a fiasco, fajole a fiasco. I'm going to read you the whole thing because it's not that complicated, including Peter's introduction. Cooking in the fireplace doesn't require any fancy equipment. This recipe can be done with a mason jar in any living room fireplace. If you don't have a fireplace or a campfire, the beans can be cooked in a covered pot, but it's obviously much less dramatic and magical. The slow, even cooking produces wonderfully unctuous and flavorful beans. And of course, it's fun to watch them cooking before your eyes. The method depends on utilizing the heat from a mature but not roaring fire. Traditionally, this is done in a wine bottle, fiasco in Italian, but using a mason jar dispenses with the issue of getting the beans out of the narrow neck of a bottle. Serve this with grilled meat and wilted greens. I prefer, this is Peter speaking, I prefer to use Serrana beans, but Scarlet Runners, Cannellini, or Jacob's Cattle varieties will all make a great pot of beans. Try to avoid the white navy beans as it is an inferior bean in flavor and texture. Here are the ingredients. A cup of dried beans soaked overnight, five cloves of garlic peeled, a sprig of rosemary about five inches long, a bay leaf, a half a teaspoon salt, a teaspoon of freshly cracked black pepper, and a third of a cup of good olive oil. Drain the beans and combine them with everything else in a one-quart mason or ball jar. Place the lid loosely on top. Steam needs to be able to escape during the cooking process. This is important. Set this in the hearth of a fireplace, 8 to 10 inches from the active fire. Feel with your hands that this distance is hot, but not unbearably so. This is Mark speaking, not Peter. I would interpret this to mean... Maybe you could hold your hand there for two or three seconds. Rotate the jar every 15 minutes for the first hour to ensure even cooking. You'll see the beans begin to simmer. After about two hours, check the beans to see if all the liquid has been absorbed and then taste to see if the beans are fully cooked. Add more water if necessary to complete the cooking. When the beans are tender, you can serve them immediately or allow them to simmer very slowly in the fireplace as the fire dies down. You can also move them farther away from the heat, of course. Long, slow cooking produces a caramelization of the bean against the jar walls that is delicious and a texture that is more like a rough puree than brothy beans. Serves for as a side dish. Enjoy that. Thank you to the poetic Peter Hoffman, a longtime friend, and to Melissa for co-hosting today's episode. Thanks, as always, to Kate Bittman, our producer and regular co-host. And thank you to our engineer, Davis Lloyd. You can follow Peter, who is doing some interesting things, on Instagram at Peter Hoffman NYC. P-E-T-E-R-H-O-F-F-M-A-N-N-Y-C. Uh, his book, What's Good, is now out in paperback. 
Thank you for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast and visit us at bitmanproject.com or at markbitman.com and tune in next week when we will have somebody amazing. Thank you for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.